Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to this week's episode of the DNF1 podcast. This week we'll be discussing the fallout from the second and final test in Barcelona. We'll also be discussing who we think is going to be leaving the pack going into the Australian Grand Prix and our predictions for 2020. We'll also be discussing the impact of the coronavirus. How will this impact the sport going on for this year? Hello there and welcome to the next installment of the DNF1 podcast. I am your host Adam Burns and joining with me is once again Mr Courtney Pine. Courtney, thank you very much for joining us on another episode. How are you this evening? Very good. There's no getting rid of me, mate. No, there certainly isn't and there's certainly no getting rid of us as well. (laughs) Three inner episodes in a row and we're still going strong. I almost feel like singing about it but... uh, Three three episodes about getting cancelled. I know. (laughs) <laughs> There's no stopping us now. I really We're on the move. <laughs> I had to get it in there. Oh no, it's like, is it <laughs> going, hey, no stopping us now. We're on the move. Yeah, we're not doing that again. Obviously, we're not built for singing. We are built for uh, chatting rubbish on this podcast. So, uh, as the intro has suggested in this podcast, we're going to be talking about the second and final week as the teams were put through their paces for their final preparations before the Australian Grand Prix in two weeks' time. Uh, Courtney, did you manage to follow any of the second test? Yeah, um, the cautious optimism I had from the first test. In terms of raw performance, that optimism has increased, but as I'm sure is heavily featured in your notepad there, <laughs> there are slight gremlins of that Mercedes engine and I'm a little bit worried about it. The pad is back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right, the pad is well and truly alive and it has been violated once again. Not as maliciously as last week, but still nonetheless... <laughs> I am ready. I've got my notes. violated. A little bit, yeah, but yeah. All, you know, yeah. all in good taste. All in good taste. So we're going to start off with uh, your team, Mercedes, my boys. The yeah. cautious optimism. Uh, how are you feeling towards that now? As I said, in terms of raw performance, quite happy. You know, with uh, with the package that they've made, but the engine problems. Not only with the Mercedes, but we saw problems with Williams as well, didn't we? So yeah, it's a, it's a tad concerning. Absolutely right, and reliability has been the factor that Mercedes have had to focus on. Um, just running through the numbers, they did the most laps of anyone, yeah. so despite those reliability issues, the W11 was very well put through its paces, uh, did 903 laps. Lewis Hamilton in particular did the most laps, 466 of anyone in testing, so well done Lewis. Still no more meat sweats. There He's you in go, good see, see, the vegan diet. I'm the... telling you, we, we've got really got to get on that. You wouldn't like me on a vegan diet, mate. <laughs> I, honestly, right? If I if I if I don't eat properly, I'll become a right bitch. Honestly, you, do, you wouldn't like me. Do you turn green as well? What? No, no. I would. Uh, I'll probably just go red because I do. I become a little bitch when I'm when green I'm hungry. Green giant. <laughs> oh yeah, I like that. <laughs> I'm very tall. 
Yeah, no, very, very well. I mean, I'm fairly tall as well. But you yeah, are, you are. Yeah, do all right. I, I just said you, don't I? We do all right in that. I think that's the difference between guys who are like six foot and guys who are below six foot. It's like, how tall would you say you are, Courtney? Mm, six foot. Six foot, yeah. So if you ask a guy that was below six feet, he'd say like five foot 11 and three quarters. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Whereas me, I like to play it down a bit. A bit yeah, as me. soon as you start with six, you're all right. It's, it's good. But yeah, so, but, you know, back onto racing, yep. as this is a podcast about Formula One. Uh, Valtteri Bottas, his time from the first test, the 1 minute 15.7, proved to be the fastest time. Valtteri also set the second fastest time. He set that on the final day, which was in the 116s as well, 116.196, which he set also on the C5 tyre. I knew that. <laughs> and Lewis Hamilton was fifth fastest at 116.4. They do look the favourites, Mercedes, it must be said. Despite the reliability concerns, which we'll touch on in a bit, the car looks mighty quick. Yeah. It looks very much planted, especially in the final sector. I've noticed, by comparison to the Red Bull and the Ferrari, which we'll talk about in due course, uh, the Red Bull does look pretty good as well, but there is that imbalance in terms of their setup, and perhaps there is a potential imbalance with the downforce that's been applied to the car, the balance between the front and the Seems rear. Seems a little bit rocky at times. Well, it does. And there were quite a few spins for Verstappen and Albon. Yeah. Hence why I was suggesting perhaps there is an imbalance over the downforce. Perhaps they're running too much front downforce on their it setup. It just dawned on me. You know that meme you sent me, the one where it looks like Patrick? What, the uh, nose? The, the, the nose. Do you yeah, yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I can just imagine you putting that face when he's spinning. <laughs> you have to put that on the, on the, the uh, very up there, YouTube video. Well, yeah, so for you... Lovely lot that watch this podcast on YouTube. Uh, this week, I'm going to be putting in some images as we're going to be talking about specific upgrades. Commitment to the calls, that's what it's called. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. obviously, we want you to listen in to us, which we will be doing this podcast. And that reminds me, actually, I probably should plug that. So just to go off a tangent a little bit here. so you We can... like doing that, don't we? Oh, I think this is more off tangent than on it. <laughs> Literally wasted five minutes already, just tw- and we haven't really got anywhere with it. But yeah, so for those of you that are new to the podcast, you can watch us on you watch this podcast on YouTube. Oh, you can also listen to this podcast on your fave podcasting platforms. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, uh, Alexa, tune in. I uh, sorry, I said iTunes, um, Heart Radio, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts as well. We're everywhere. We are here. We're there. We're every everywhere. I'm not going to swear. Uh, yeah, I was worried then. Yeah, we've got to keep it clean for the kids as best we can. So, uh, and also you can follow us on Instagram and we have a Twitter account as well. Um, the Instagram handle is DNF1 underscore podcast. Yeah, got right. it right this yeah. time. <laughs> and the Twitter handle is also at DNF1 underscore podcast. Oh, well done. So you've kept it, you kept it simple like that. Well, yeah, that way they can search on both platforms. But there we are available yeah. on both of those. Please give us a follow. On both of those, and we will be producing plenty of social media content right. for you guys to engage in. I don't want to make this too much of a competition, but if you're running the Twitter, yeah, I'm running the Instagram. I'm going to be intrigued to see Ooh. which one does better. I want, I want to see. You've got a head start because you've had an extra week, so you've already built up a bit of a. <laughs> so I've got some catching up to do. But I mean, in terms of general feedback on the content, that's what I mean. Ooh, I think you've got the better platform for that. I'm, I mean, I might. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I might, have to, I might have to raid a few hashtags in order to get people engaged. <laughs> But we'll see what we can do. So, yeah, back onto Mercedes. Yeah, they look very, very good over the first two tests. And the main concern, of course, as you've mentioned already, Courtney, was the reliability factor. Over the course of testing, they used three engines, both of which that they were struggling with were for different issues. Um, They weren't identical. And this is the same thing that happened with Williams as well. So Williams also used Mercedes Power Units as one of their customers, along with Racing Point. 
and Williams also had issues on two occasions with engine failures as well. Now, unfortunately for Mercedes, the difficult part with this is that these engine issues were not identical. So when they probably reviewed what happened with Valtteri's engine when he had the electrical fault during the first week, they may have had a solution to that. Yeah. But as a result of that, that may have opened up unexpected issues elsewhere. And as a result of that, that's going to create quite a head-scratcher for the Mercedes crew. Because so, Lewis Hamilton's was an oil pressure issue, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. He was doing a long run in the second stint, similar yeah. to what Ferrari was doing at the same time. Mercedes have really got to try and get on top of this because... Mm. This is uh, very similar to an issue that they had back, obviously, in 2016 with Lewis. Obviously, he had plenty of issues that potentially cost him the World Championship. Yeah, I'm not going there. I'm not no, going there. <laughs> I didn't think he would. No. That's a bit of a sensitive time for you. Difficult time that was for you. Um, and also in 20, uh, 2018, they had that double retirement. Was it 2018 in Austria? Or was it 2017? Yeah, 2018. It was 2018, because I think, yeah, that's right. They had the double retirement. Yeah. And Mercedes have said... Uh, quite a lot that they were chasing performance throughout the test and they were chasing the uh, engine power as well and this was my concern because I knew they were so far behind on engine power last season that they'd be it seems like they've caught up on engine power but at what cost no absolutely and I think that Lewis Hamilton uh, was asked about this himself and he had to say this so I'm just going to be reading a quote that I saw from Lewis Hamilton when he was interviewed on this and he I said I like to thank the fans for coming along you've got the best fans <laughs> yep. Literally, I think five I'll, I'll say this on there I bet you a fiver if Lewis Hamilton wins the Australian Grand Prix that is going to be the first answer to the first question he gets on the podium interview I just want to thank everyone for coming out here yeah. blah 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 as he does we love we love Lewis but sometimes it is quite funny it's almost become a meme like almost yeah, as bad as Rosberg's flames meme so Lewis had this to say on the engine issue so he said it's become harder and harder for engine manufacturers to extract more performance from the power units and then he was asked in reference to the engine dramas Mercedes received and or suffered I should say during testing and he said it was a difficult winter last year and it's been a difficult winter this year. There was a period of time with this V6 Turbo where we were just gaining, 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 and gaining. But eventually, like with everything, you get to the point with limited returns. We are kind of in that top peak top speed area now, where there is one kilometre here, or one kilometre less over there. Lewis then went on to say, the engine itself is actually very good, uh, and it's definitely an improvement on last year, just not where they want to be reliability-wise. Now, that's quite telling because, mm. as we just spoke about, Lewis Hamilton knows the significance of not having the reliability, despite having the fastest car. Yeah, It can be the difference between winning and losing a world championship. What won't help with that is Williams' problems that they've been having. Um, although they did quite a lot of running Williams in this second test, it must be said as well, but engine issues were a problem. And that's something that Mercedes will be keeping a close eye on. Having said that, though, Racing Point, um, the other team that's been provided the engine power units from Mercedes, had no issues whatsoever. That's encouraging. Technical director Andy Green of Racing Point, he basically said that problems for the other Mercedes power teams did not come out of the blue, meaning that they were aware of these issues and that there was a potential for them to flare up, which does breathe some encouragement to the situation yeah. because it does <clears throat> suggest to me that they have some measurements in place to try and counter this as the season goes on and hopefully they'll be able to find a solution to that as early as they can. They tell us that they are not worried 
so we are not worried either. Um, I mean, we must stress that we don't know exactly what these measures are. We don't. That's Oops, all. No, be... we're not. We're not F one engineers, are we? No, and and far from it. I don't think they'd let us loose with a nail gun, let alone a Formula One power. Unit. Mate, I just about know the basics on a tractor, let alone a Formula One. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stick to the setups on the game. I think that's about yeah. as good as we get. But overall, this does imply that Mercedes at the moment are unable to run their engines at full power, and. You know, does this mean that they have to run limited modes at the moment in order to counter these reliability concerns? And in the second test, I did hear whispers that Mercedes themselves were running down a little bit on the power that they were running in the first test. I don't know if that suggests that they were running quite a fairly decent amount of power uh, on their engine in the first test by comparison, but if that is true in the second test that they had to run their engines at a lower engine mode, then that may give some opportunity and optimism to the likes of Red Bull, who, in my opinion, are Mercedes' closest challengers for this season. Most likely. And the engine efficiency and the engine power could be the telling factor between the two teams, and that will be music to Max Verstappen's ears in particular, because they know, at Honda as well, that as much as they've improved, they do, in my mind, need the likes of Mercedes and Ferrari to lower their performance uh, a little bit, and to have issues in order to sort of compete with them on an engine front on a weekly ba- on a race by race basis, I should say. But overall, Mercedes look very impressive. Their long run pace looks very very good. Their one lap pace or ultimate pace, I would say, is probably a few tenths quicker than the Red Bull, and potentially at minimum as much as half a second quicker than the Ferrari. But Ferrari is the great unknown at the moment. They, they are. Really are. They are. So we're going to move on to Red Bull now. Um, as you see, hear me turning over the page on this one. Um, so the number of laps that Red Bull did overall, they did 780 laps, which was fifth of everybody. Max Verstappen was the sixth highest on the lap count in the 400 club. He did 414 laps. How many did that one do? Uh, the rest. <laughs> Great answer. No, Albon, <laughs> Albon did 366 laps. If my quick maths is on point this week, I'm sure it, it is. I'm sure it is. But of course, those of you with calculator, I'm sure they're there. I'm sure they're there. Listen, wait a minute. Do you know what? You're just gonna have to believe me on that one. I'm pretty sure 414 plus 366780. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm also studying to be a, 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 an accountant as well, so I feel like I probably should know basic maths. You might come back. You might go to an interview. Right, in the future, to be an accountant. Oh, well, someone's going to call time, me That time, yeah, that time in your podcast, you've got a simple question wrong there, mate. One of the big four accounting firms are going to dismiss me over the fact that I got it wrong on a podcast, which there, I could have edited. There you go. See, this is it, there guys. I don't do too much editing on this. Most of this is live, so you should be grateful. These are the sacrifices that we make for you. Or the fact we like to give you an accurate representation of who we are. Even though I'm too lazy to edit. Oh, no, no, we're going, we're going with the first one. <laughs> So yeah, um, so talking about Red Bull, Max Verstappen on the Friday set the second fastest time in testing. He was second fastest overall, even though he set the, uh, I think it was the third fastest time overall out of everybody, because Valtteri Bottas set the fastest two times. Yeah, yeah. 116.269 on the Friday. He was doing some qualifying runs on this, so this is quite telling. We don't Obviously, we don't know... Using the usual caveats, what fuel modes he was using or what engine modes he was using as well, I should say, and the fuel loads that he had in the car. Um, But what was significant is that he was running on the C4 tyre, which, for those of you that don't know, the C4 is the second softest compound that they use in testing. And Mercedes Bottas was using the C5, which was the softest. The normal delta between the two sets of compounds is around half a second. 
So roughly translated, compared to Bossati's time in the first test, the 1.15.7, Max Verstappen is around half a tenth off of that. And he made a mistake in the final sector on that hot lap. Obviously, we don't know what Bottas was doing in the first test as well, but we would imagine the Mercedes was running at much better uh, pace or efficiency-wise than it was in the latter parts of the second test. Mm. So that does suggest that they are very, very close together in outright performance in Mercedes and Red Bull. At face value, of course, there are the usual caveats in place, and there's only so As much we will you can be saying, testing. we'll not know until Melbourne, will we? So the RB16, as impressive as it looked, it looked very much planted um, most of the time. It didn't do too much in terms of the long runs, um, and when it did, it seemed that Mercedes and even Ferrari, to some degree, looked quicker. In some regard, again, the usual caveat supply here, so we can only take so much of this. That's your like, term now, isn't it? Yeah, but it, yeah. It's gonna be. Well, no, it's not just mine. I think it's just an easy way of saying things, easy way of describing circumstances that we are unaware of that can affect or change uh, the overall picture. And we won't find that out until Melbourne. I mean, remember I'm, I'm going to do year? a caviar drinking game. <laughs> Every time I say caveat, you take a drink. <laughs> oh boy, we are. Definitely making some inroads on this one. How do people listen to this? I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the car looked pretty good in times. It very strong in the slow speed corners. Sometimes quick as quick as the Mercedes. It may be some better, perhaps. I mean, it could prove to be a very close challenger to the Mercedes. Um, but also, what was significant in this second test is Red Bull brought, brought that brought, I should say, brought brought some new updates. Uh, so I'm just going to go f- through some of these now. I've also got the pictures to help me with these. And for the benefit of those of you watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see some of these pictures as well. Oh, yeah, that are provided by um, the sponsors for the eSports League that I commentate on, Hot Lap Mode. You can follow them on Hot Lap Mode on Twitter and also Hot Lap Mode on Instagram. Now, these guys are fantastic. They provide great coverage, great analysis of the current topics surrounding Formula 1. A bit like we do. They're just a lot more professional than we are. We're just two guys that faff about. These guys are the real deal. So do check them out. Give them a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Really, really great guys. Do a lot of good things. Nicely plugged. Thank you very much. I expect my royalty check in the mail. (laughs) So yeah, just to go on to Red Bull. So they had new front wing flaps. Now you can see just as the little yellow line is underneath there. So mending the flaps a little bit. And also where the yellow arrows are on this. I'm just showing Courtney the pics as well. You've got the old picture at the top and the new one at the bottom. There's going to be a theme on some of these images. So where are the young flaps and where are the old flaps? <laughs> you can see the old... So the old flaps have all changed and they sort of curve a little bit as well. Right. Now what those are meant to do is they're meant to favour what we call the upwash effect. Now the upwash effect is basically a way of describing how airflow gets channeled to move it up. Um, and then it goes over the front part of that wing and then it then comes down creating a downwash effect and some lift as well on the car which should improve performance in a straight line when it makes contact with the air and obviously make it faster in the corners much more efficient airflow more consistent so the drivers can have more confidence and stability with the car so moving on to the next image we have the new barge boards now these seem to copy some of the ideas on the ff SF1000, the Ferrari. Um, you can also see the bottom image, the connected double boomerang at the bottom. Oh, yeah. Um, and there are also, in the bottom square, in the bottom image, you can see something that looks like a razor blade grill. These are airflow diverters, and they look like razor blades, as I've just mentioned. They look um, very similar to the side pods diverters that are on the Mercedes W11. So for those of you eagle-eyed, you'll see the Mercedes and you'll also see the Red Bull showing these diverters. 
So a nice few little bits on the red ball there. I must say there's a lot of work gone and this looks more like their spec for Australia. Yeah. Not necessarily a B car. I don't think anyone's brought a B car to this test. But overall, the Red Bull team, they, look, they seem very, very happy. They're quite buoyant about their prospects for the season. Max Verstappen certainly seemed relaxed about their prospects. Now, to see a driver like Max seem quite relaxed and quite chirpy and in a good mood suggests to me that he knows that he's got a good car underneath him. And Red Bull have been singing the praises about this car. With Red Bull, Courtney, where do you feel that they are in comparison to Mercedes? Do you feel that they are perhaps on par with them or at least close enough to them that they're going to be more than just an occasional fawn in their side? I think it's going to be very close. I mean, I think qualifying it will probably be Mercedes ahead of Red Bull. But I feel it's going to be like that traditional kind of um, how it was a couple of years ago where Mercedes were fastest in qualifying but they'd come across trouble in race pace. So that's what, that's where I expect it to be at the start of the season. Mm. No, no, I completely agree. Having said that, there were some issues with the new bits. It did seem that particularly in the second week, Max and Alex Albon were having some issues with some spins at high speed, um, having a few tank slapper moments. Now, for those of you that don't know what we mean by the term tank slapper, it's when you sort of come into a corner and you turn in and the rear of the car doesn't quite stabilise and it comes loose. And as a result, it ends up losing control and spinning around um, so sort of almost like the rear of the car overtakes you at the front as you're going yeah, sideways yeah. and then it sends you off. So yeah, it had a bit of a tank step a moment. Alex Albon had a few of those. Now Max put those down to pushing the limits. I'm wondering perhaps if there are some issues with these newer bits or perhaps there's an imbalance with the uh, downforce ratio between the front and the rear. Normally in Formula 1 what teams like to do or what the preferred setup is is that the front of the... Uh, the front of the car, or the front wing, I should say, has less downforce than the rear. Obviously, with the cars run quite a lot of rate, especially the Red Bull, you want the emphasis to focus more on the rear wing. Mm. And sometimes if you have an imbalance where there's too much front downforce, you end up in a situation where the car can oversteer or become loose, or you end up with a tank slapper moment like what the Red Bulls did. Um, and then on the flip side to that, you can have an imbalance where there's too much rear downforce and then the car's very understeery. Even though it's stable at the rear end, halfway through a corner, the car just might veer off out away from the apex and then you're complaining you've got too much understeer. So that's Red Bull. I think we're going to move on from Red Bull now and I think we're going to talk about the other team that could challenge for the championship and that's Ferrari. Now, interesting one on Ferrari, as we said in the first test, we weren't sure with their pace, where no, they were. You I, felt I, that that Ferrari were hiding a lot of their pace and that yeah. they could be doing what Mercedes did last year. I felt that perhaps, yes, there's more to come from them, but overall it did seem a bit underwhelming considering what perhaps we might have expected from them. Could, they, be, could they still be playing it down now? Well, this is the great unknown. I think Ferrari of everyone is the great unknown this season yeah. for a lot of reasons. But in terms of running and reliability, massive improvement from last week they ended up doing overall 844 laps now considering that they were very far down the running order last week they ended up doing the second most laps of it's anybody so only Mercedes had done more laps yeah. and that was in part mostly to the efforts of Charles Leclerc Charles Leclerc did 442 laps overall now on day uh, I think it was day 3 it might have been or day 2 of the second test he did a mega 181 laps in one day 
If I'm right, that's a record, I believe, because Nico Rosberg did, I think, 170 odd in 2016, I believe, and Charles ended up doing more laps than that. So that's a mega effort from him. Mm. And I'm sure you'll be, <laughs> we'll say, is Rosberg's testing career over? I think we'll put that <laughs> meme in there. <laughs> but yeah. It'll be, like, be like a brief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. In terms of pace, uh, Charles actually was fourth fastest overall, 116.3, and Sebastian Vettel was ninth, 116.8. As I said, big improvement on the mileage from Ferrari, only Mercedes did more laps. It seems to be more reliable than it was last week. Of course, they had the issue where Vettel had some issues with the engine. It looked a lot better in the second week in terms of reliability, and that's something that Ferrari have admitted that they have focused a lot on of work on over the winter is the reliability of their engine and it has something that has cost them last yeah, season not, not massively though no but enough where perhaps it was a concern maybe they weren't able to run at the performance they wanted to I'm not sure yeah. as I said a lot of reliability running and obviously the significance of the Ferrari engine controversy that's something we're going to be talking about that's like that. in due course <laughs> uh, later Intrigue. on in this episode so yes the reliability is probably one of the best parts about it but they brought new parts to this second test. As we mentioned in the last episode, uh, Ferrari brought a new modified floor, uh, which you can see there. There's some sort of inlets where the arrows are at the back. They've modified, mod, uh, modified I should say, the floor, uh, which should improve downforce and aero efficiency in that area. They've also brought a new rear wing. Now, the original rear wing, as you can see in the top image, as I'm just showing Courtney and showing you guys now, it's very, very straight. Now, the Ferrari oh, drivers yeah, have complained yeah. that one issue with this car compared to last year is it's a lot more draggy, almost too much. Ferrari have been focusing on trying to get much, much more downforce on this car. And as a result, the more downforce you apply on this car, you end up with more drag. It's a balancing act, isn't it? It's a balancing act. Last year, they went for a low drag car, which didn't really work for them. It worked in some areas, but it didn't work from over the course of the season. And they found the car wasn't good enough in the corners compared to the Red Bull and the Mercedes, um, despite their pace advantage with the engine. As you can see in the bottom image, it's more of a spooned, curved rear wing. Now, this is a trial, but I believe this may be the concept they go for in Australia. And this is to reduce the drag. So it splits the airflow over that, and it should have a less draggy effect, which is important on the rear wing, because the rear wing is one of the parts that has where the most drag is affected. So to try and mitigate that as much as possible will really help them out in this regard. Also another thing, the new engine hood that Ferrari was testing in this test. Now, Ferrari did a lot of work, um, as they mentioned on the launch of their car, the rear of the car, to improve downforce. That was one of the main focuses. However, they also wanted to improve the cooling. Now, the engine hood at the top that they used in the first test I'm not suggesting they're not going to be using that going forward. They will probably at some races where cooling is not as uh, yeah. necessary as others, but it's a very tight package at the rear Ferrari. They've done a lot of work on their tight rear end. And you I'm can gonna, I've, I've, I've done the joke once. <laughs> <laughs> Roll with that one. <laughs> but as you can see on the bottom, there's a lot more room in there, a lot more air for, to cool the engine from behind. And that looks like the version they're going to be running in Australia. So... A lot of work from Ferrari, as you can see, it's all like coloured in green. That's where the focus is. For those of you that are unfamiliar with where the cooling comes from and where it goes out, um, as I said, it's meant to be expected in Melbourne. That's the, that's what they're going to be running um, to cater for this tighter rear end that they have now. About the pace of the Ferrari now. Now that we've gone through the development bits, they do look good on the long runs, 
But again, the usual caveat at play <laughs> as Courtney takes a swig of his <sighs> beer that, bit we, that we're going to be <laughs> talking about later. Yeah, it, it does look good on the long runs. They look pretty good in between Red Bull Mercedes. However, the front of the car is still having a problem. They're still not quite able to generate as much front downforce. Now, it does bite into the corners on entry, the Ferrari. Their issue is on exit, and both of the drivers have complained, particularly in the final sector, I noticed that the drivers going into the corner are quick. Mm. When they come out on the exit and when they put the throttle on, that's where the problems happen. Sort of middle bit, of the bit, corner. There's a bit of wheel spin going on. It's, it's more, down, it's more yeah. um, understeer, sorry, yeah. I should say. So there's a lot of understeer going on on that car on the exit corners. And especially on a track like Spain, where aero inefficiencies are more found out than at other tracks... You've got that long run into turn one. For I was going to say, no, if, you're, if you're if you're struggling to get speed into going onto a long straight, you're in a lot of trouble, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, both drivers have said overall that the car does feel stronger in the corners than the predecessor, of the SF90, but it is now lacking on the straights as a result of the downforce. Now we don't know how much in part that is to the engine being turned down, and in some cases, compared to the Alfa Romeo who runs Ferrari engines as well it was almost as much as 30 kilometres down on the straights, according to some of the GPS data, which is quite shocking. Bizarre. But that is a lot of lap time. Obviously, I wasn't able to do the numbers on it. If I had time, I would have tried to have a geeky moment and see how much that would have affected them time-wise. <laughs> and I know you're looking at me as like, oh, I bet you really wanted to... I, I really did. I'm really disappointed in you, Adam. You should have done it. I don't understand why you didn't look into every single little detail. Well, unfortunately, I had an accounting exam to study for Not over really the weekend. Not really excuse, really, is it? You need to put your career aside for a fact for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel we're quite at that point yet. I'm trying to sort of balance both of them at the moment. Yeah, that's yeah, because your attitude, that's why. Oh, right, right, okay. <laughs> you, can you not see how much work I'm putting in, all the prep I'm putting into these episodes? Adam? Can you not see it right in front of me? Yeah, yeah, where is it? I left it home. No, you left it home. Oh, right. Yeah, I only lived down the road. For those who are unaware, it took Courtney, what was it, a month to set up an Instagram account? Uh, I think it's a bit harsh, about three weeks. Three weeks. All right, I'll give you yeah. the benefit of the doubt, three weeks. And I think the funny thing with Ferrari, as we're going back to them, is I'm a bit confused about where they are in terms of trying to convince us about the performance of this car. Now, they're trying to play this down. I don't know if this is a ploy that they're trying to play down the performance like Mercedes often do. I mean, this is straight out of the PR book for Mercedes. They're always saying that their rivals are faster and that they're the ones got catching up. And then they turn up to race day and absolutely smash it. Because it makes sense to go with that approach. Because remember, you know what? You know we have the drinking game about the word that you use. (laughs) You should have one about every time I say about um, Ferrari being a national institution. Because last season, that's where I feel they went wrong. Because there was all this hype... And they put themselves under so much pressure already. It's all about pressure and how you handle it. So I f- that's why I feel they're taking a different approach this season. Well, this is this is my thoughts on this as well because I don't understand why Ferrari are playing. Why they would be playing the performance of their car down so much if um, that if they were bluffing and they knew that yeah. they were so much faster. And we did see them turn up the wick a little bit. I mean, Sebastian Vettel was fastest on day five, even though Mercedes had trouble. But at the same time. It doesn't make sense because the Italian media will take this and they'll completely destroy them. They'll literally publish stories saying they're not capable, hounding characters out in the team, senior personnel. There's just no win for Ferrari to, or there's no reason for them to go out and say if this was not true. Do you mind if I go off on a quick tangent because I have a question? Why not? We've done that since we started. Do you feel, sorry to non-F1 fans before I 
say this question. Um, do you feel that Ferrari have the same problems than the England football team do when it comes to pressure from the media? Oh, that's a that's an interesting one. Um, I think not necessarily in recent times, given yeah. the success, if you want to call it that, of the England team in recent years, relatively speaking, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, they haven't won anything, but it's been better since the World Cup when we got to the semi-finals. Yeah, I can understand why uh, back in the golden generation times yeah. when we had players like David Beckham, Lampard, Gerrard, Scholes, Ferdinand, all those Joe characters. Cole. Yeah, <laughs> Joe Cole. <laughs> yes, yeah. the West. Well, half that team was formerly West Ham. And the pressure that the media put on that side to deliver, because they were expected to win and yeah, exactly. deliver a major international yeah. trophy, and they never did, not even close. No. And we have our own fears on that, but that'll be a debate for another time why that is, perhaps on a different po- kind of podcast. The F1 fans around the world are probably not interested. Um, <laughs> but I totally see the, re- the comparisons. This is what Ferrari. I'm saying. And I don't, I don't see why they would do that. I mean, and also, I'm also um, a bit confused about Matti Bonotto's play on this because he's gone out and said look this is the performance of our car we're not holding back we've had some issues with the engine we've been chasing reliability we've been looking for downforce we've just created drag this is stuff we need to look at and our car is not quite where we want it to be then later on in the testing uh, he went out to say no one's really showing their full hand so we don't really know what the order is we can't take the testing results and put together the pecking order for that is Melbourne. A fair point. That is a fair point. Which is what we're going to try to do later yeah. on and what everyone else does. But, but not oh can't do it, but we can. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> we, this is it. We waited a year to rest- to make sure our credibility. We knew something was up when Ferrari were fastest last year. We thought, hang on a second, that's not quite right. That's not the normal playbook. And then luckily for you, not me as a Ferrari fan, that got proven right. And so everyone else's credibility was destroyed and we're the only ones you can trust. So... That, that's it there you go that's it I think we can end the episode here I think that's the only thing we, I think we can do yeah. bravo to us excellent episode same time next week there you go brilliant okay so yeah Ferrari I honestly don't know and I think I think we'll get onto this point actually with the engine stuff so please do I'll be, I've been waiting for this so before we go into the second part I feel like we do need to discuss this so for those of you that don't know Around 15 minutes before the checker flag wave to end the final. 12 minutes, actually. Was it 12? Oh, 12 minutes. 12. I was giving, like, you know, I like to round. I like rounded <laughs> figures. 12 whole minutes. 12 minutes. How many seconds is that called? Me? Go on, quick maths. Oh, 60 times 12 would be 72. Add another couple of zeros. <laughs> <laughs> and that is why Courtney's not an accountant, and I am. Yeah, so as Courtney mentioned, quite rightly, 12 minutes before the end of the final test session, the FIA released a press statement. Now, did you see what they had released, Courtney? I know it word for word. You know it word for word. Would you like to recite it or would you like me to have a go? Choo, 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 choo. <laughs> <laughs> They say the FIA announces that after thorough technical investigations, it has concluded its analysis of the operation of the Scuderia Ferrari Formula One power unit and reached a settlement with the team. The specifics of the agreement will remain between the parties. The FIA and Scuderia Ferrari have agreed to a number of technical commitments that will improve the monitoring of all Formula One power units for forthcoming championship seasons as well as assist the FIA in other regulatory duties in Formula One and in its research activities on carbon emissions and sustainable fuels. Now, that's huge. 
I don't know about you, there, for those of you that are unfamiliar with where this has originated from, um, last season, uh, not long after the summer break, I think it was around the Russian Grand Prix, yeah. towards the end of the season, yeah. there was rumours going around the paddock about the legitimacy and legality of Ferrari's engine in terms of using lubricants, cooling lubricants and oil burning to get a power boost and improve performance. The Ferrari was very well known last year as well as having a low drag concept for having about half a second almost on some tracks well, advantage they were, they were well out the way on the straights the yeah. um, and, and this coincided with having very impressive one lap pace rather yeah. than in the race where they could run these special like party mode they would because they'd be behind wouldn't they and even like, even up to Q2 they'd be behind in Q2 and then come Q3 they'd just have a lap out of nowhere right? absolutely yeah and there was a growing belief that there was some kind of wrongdoing from Ferrari not necessarily uh, deliberately breaking the rules, yeah. but it almost seemed like Ferrari had found a loophole within the regulations to be able to do what they were doing for this extra engine performance, if, of course, that is the case. And we're not suggesting there's any wrongdoing at the moment because that's not been proven. Or at least that's not or been denied. Yeah, exactly. And, and and this is where it gets a bit difficult because, as you just said, Courtney, the statement itself implies, first of all, that we cannot confirm or deny that there was wrongdoing from Ferrari. Yeah. Even though people may feel the way they feel about this, that becomes an issue for some of the other teams because now there's going to be an extra sensor that's going to be untraceable from the other teams on these engines to try and improve policing these regulations to the other teams. So there is there is perhaps a chance that other teams are doing this as well. And there are ways about it that they may be doing it differently from Ferrari to suggest they might be getting the performance. We don't know that. And we're not implying that that's what other teams are doing or why they're annoyed about this. But what it also means is that considering how well documented this incident was and how much of an investigation had taken place and the fact that it's just been, for lack of a better phrase, put to one side, enough money and resources have been allocated to this, it's almost come back inconclusive perhaps. Yeah. The other teams are going to... Well, there's no closure on the matter. It depends, depends what happens in Melbourne, doesn't it? If, they, if, if it happens again, then it's all going to kick off from the other teams again, isn't it? Possibly, but I'd just be very surprised if the other teams do not... Uh, I'd be surprised if the other teams actually take this line down and not yeah. actually respond to this, because this is quite a big deal. And in a way, if if the, uh, the result of the findings the FIA made with Ferrari suggested that there was wrongdoing, or that there wasn't wrongdoing, perhaps we should say, the other teams may try to, you know put certain um, adopt it yeah adopt it yeah. to their own engine concepts and maybe improve performance so this is something that I don't believe is going to go away as a fan I'm a bit annoyed because I feel like I want closure on this I want to know if Ferrari once and for all were doing wrong or were breaking the rules or were manipulating the rules to a degree that isn't really in the best interest of the sport or perhaps it was legal we don't know that only Ferrari and the FIA know the truth I had heard rumours about a settlement being re agreed between the two over the fact that Ferrari had put a case forward that they weren't doing anything wrong and that they had all this evidence to suggest everything they were doing was legal and within the ruling. And the FIA, on a counter-argument, had this belief that there was wrongdoing from the Ferrari uh, in this regard, but they weren't able to trace it or prove otherwise. They just had that suspicion. 
and also how this all came about because it just came out of nowhere. It wasn't other Cause I, teams. I thought because I thought it was settled last season. Yeah, in a way it was, and it also when this happened, it also coincided with Ferrari having uh, a deficit in performance around about the American race, the US Grand Prix. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But. Ferrari were also running a lot more higher downforce pieces on their car, which increased the drag and obviously uh, would mean that they've got a poorer straight line speed as a result. So we'll be uh, keeping an eye on that and seeing what develops over the course of the season. But it's definitely something that I hope doesn't go away and it's definitely a huge talking point at the start of the season. And it could have implications on Ferrari's performance because... This makes me wonder. This this, this ties, you know, goes back to where you start with Ferrari... Could this be one of the factors which is affecting, you know, our lack of knowledge of where Ferrari are right now? Perhaps, but it also has the potential to suggest that what Matti Bonotto was alluding to is that their pace is, is perhaps true. That perhaps that the reason why they're down on the straights, as well as having the amount increased amount of downforce and res, obviously drag as a result of that, the engine performance may not be there to counter that. The Ferrari may be running a fairly good engine mode on their car but not able to extract the performance out of it yeah. that they have with the old engine in this way because uh, they right, would yeah. explain the dramatic change in concept wouldn't it I mean if you cast your minds back for those of you that have seen Rush will probably remember this as well the film uh, about this story between Nicky Loud and James Hunt and the McLaren was penalised uh, for having a car that did not comply with the ruling by the smallest of margins. It didn't have any effect on performance, but it was still illegal by the rules. And Ferrari protested this, and the McLaren had to rebuild their entire chassis and their bodywork on the car to comply with the rules. And they lost so much performance. And it only got to halfway through the season where they actually managed to catch up. And in a way, there is a potential Ferrari could be in this boat now where they've had to sort of rebuild their engine to a degree, but they've lost so much performance. Yeah. So that is a concern. But we won't know until Australia what the real pecking order it's in, it's is. It's intriguing, it's intriguing. I think that's a good way to end this first part. So we're going to take a quick break. Go get yourself a hot drink. And, and relax. Corona. And <laughs> if, yeah, if it's driven you to that so far, why not? Go for something stronger if you like. And uh, we will join you for part two of the DNF1 podcast where we will be discussing our... Are the other teams, what our thoughts are on the pecking order for the season and obviously this impact of the coronavirus on the sport. So do join us after the break. So welcome back for the second part of the DNF1 podcast. We hope you are all doing well. And if you're tuning into us after a little bit of a delay, where have you been? Yeah. We've been hanging around waiting for welcome you. Welcome back, you lovely lot. We've been waiting for you. Why did you leave us hanging? <laughs> Okay, so uh, we've talked about the top three teams, and I think just to recap on that briefly, do we feel that the advantage the top three have is going to be, do we feel like it's been retained? Do we feel that there's going to be anyone from the midfield perhaps trying to challenge them? I mean, you never know with that racing point, eh, Adam? No, I think I think actually a good point to go on racing point. Um, so the racing point, otherwise known as the pink Mercedes, the... Uh, 2020 version of the W10, or my personal favourite, as I've been hearing, Tracing Point. (laughs) (laughs) But very good. So uh, yeah, the Racing Point team, probably the biggest winners of testing, I have to say. They looked absolutely bulletproof. They didn't have any issues. They were fast right out the box. They will be with that that concept. Absolutely, Um, and very famous as we mentioned the last episode. Um, They've basically taken 
the concept of the W10 quite self-admittedly not Last necessarily yeah not yeah. necessarily copied it but there's a lot of similarity to it especially at the front um but they've taken that concept and kind of made it their own a little bit so there are some subtle differences but in large it does look like a pink mercedes to be fair although i like a pink mercedes it looks kind of cool there you go there aren't enough pink mercedes on the roads are there the lady p of mercedes there we go <laughs> very nice um, they did 782 laps in testing. It was the fourth most, which is kind of fitting, considering that's where we probably feel that they were going to be at the moment. Sergio Perez did 441 laps, which was, guess it, it was fourth of oh. overall of all the drivers. Their fastest laps, Sergio Perez was seventh fastest, 116.6. Lance Stroll, 16th fastest, 117.1. So the car does look quick. And Racing Point themselves probably didn't buy into this at first, after the first week. But as the week, second week went on, there are some growing ambitions in that team that there could be a possibility that they have Ferrari in their sights. The mighty Ferrari. I don't believe that they are right on their heels or snapping up at this point. That would, that, would be such, that would be such an embarrassment for Ferrari. It really would. Um, and it would be such a coup for Racing Point. And we want to see... We want to see the midfield teams closing up to the top three. Particularly going into 2021. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also read earlier that Ferrari, if it doesn't work out for them early on in the season, they may switch their entire focus to the 2021 car. And, and I, can, I can understand why they may decide to go down there. I mean, it might be early to say, but with the regulation change as huge as it's going to be, yeah. and Ferrari is one of those teams that has the ability to divert resources between two projects at the same time like this, especially on this magnitude, it may benefit them to do that. Goes into 2021, yeah. But it's too early to say at this point. I mean, yeah. we, I we haven't even, exactly, we haven't even had a wheel, wheel turn yet. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, as I said, there were some subtle differences to the Merc W10, but the car looks pretty good, looks pretty planted. Uh, Sergio Perez went out openly and said this is easily the greatest car he's ever driven. Not surprising considering how fast these cars are. A lot of drivers in the pack paddock probably feel that way about their current cars. So yeah, the, the very lot of optimism. Technical director Andrew Green, very optimistic. Otmar Schaffner as well. Couldn't stop singing the praises of this car. Um, and they have taken this concept and kind of made it their own. It's not a complete carbon copy. Um, and it is within the rules. So yeah. we're not suggesting that what they're doing is malpractice or against the, the rules. I'm surprised it hasn't been done more often. Well, Haas did something similar in 2018 when they had a very similar car to the, I think, SF71 or SF70 in 2018. They ran a 2017 Ferrari, very similar as part of their partnership with Ferrari, the technical arrangement. And right, yeah. Racing Point, or they were Force India, were one of the teams very, very much vocal against this kind of behaviour. But they've done it themselves now, so cast whatever irony you want to that. They probably, they probably thought, you know what, if they're going to do it, then why? I'm why surprised not? more teams don't. And yeah, given exactly. that this, the rules yeah. are only consistent for one more year, and we're going to go completely different regulations from next year, it does make sense for a team as small as Racing Point are at the moment, and the budgets that they have respective to the big three, and perhaps Renault as well to some degree, as a works team, it makes sense to go with a concept that works. It's more cost effective, and you can develop it in your own way, and... The deficit to Mercedes from racing points is around about nine tenths to a second, I would say, on ultimate pace. But that's about right where the W10 was probably last year yeah, compared yeah. to the W11. So I think racing point, they're going to have a very good season and look like the team 
most likely to challenge the top three. And I say top three, probably early on in the season, threatened Ferrari. And we'll see how that works. Depending on what Ferrari choose to do with this car versus next year's car, it could be a regular feature. Seeing them two battle it out would be great to see. I want to see that McLaren up there, though. Yeah, I think I think we'll move on to McLaren, actually, because they were the next team I was going to cover as I almost dropped my pad. Not the pad! I think that it's got... I know, I know F1 isn't about the show, but I think they've got the most entertaining driver partnership, haven't they? So McLaren did 802 laps. That was third overall. Good effort from them. Carlos Sainz did a massive 446 laps. Only Lewis Hamilton did more. The pace of the car looks good. Carlos Sainz was 8th fastest, 116.8. Lando Norris, 20th. Not really representative, 117.5. But bear in mind, he did set that on the C2 tyre. When you adjust that for tyre compounds and perhaps potential fuel loads and stuff, it is very close to the racing point performance. And when he was doing a long run, he'd actually caught and passed Antonio Giovinazzi on that race run as well, which you don't see often in testing Mm. overtakes, but he did that. Looking at some of the technical changes, McLaren have brought new front wing for both Norris and Sign that they did. There's a new M-plate foot and upper flaps, which were redesigned on the MCL35, as you can see on the image pointed out by the arrows, to sort of improve the airflow efficiency on there, which looks very nice, much smoother, much more consistent, so that should help with front downforce. McLaren seem also very optimistic about performance. Um, we look, I reckon they're going to be battling with Racing Point. Um, and like them probably around a second off Mercedes ultimate pace I should mention as well there was a new floor redesign for Mercedes as well now what you can see here the flow fizz paint between the two you've got the older spec at the top that they were running and the newer one at the bottom now really what you want with the airflow on this you've got some good images there yeah thank you um so they arrived with the first week with the picture at the top, the old spec. Now, focus on the purple highlighted bit on the pictures. Now, this is where you want the airflow to be going. Now, what we mean by flow is it's a luminous sort of dust paint. You mix in with a paraffin comp element and you apply it to the car so that it dries when the airflow is sort of being channeled through over the laps. It doesn't drip everywhere and your car just looks like a massive Picasso piece or like, you know, all over the place. And what this does is it gives you an idea of the surface flow um, because at the rear of the car, you don't really get paint coming off uh, in the right area and it settles somewhere else. You don't really want that to happen. So looking at the lines on the left, uh, sort of like the outer vertical wall, the lines are heading towards into the low pressure area behind the tyre, which is highlighted by the purple uh, shades. And that's what you really want to try to achieve. And you can see that it's more apparent on the second image at the bottom, yeah, which is the newer one. And that's yeah. really what you want to improve that rear downforce. Now, it's a base is definitely a big um, step upwards, isn't it? Yeah. And I was talking about improving downforce overall. Now, believe it or not, the top image will most likely get you more consistent downforce or perhaps more better downforce over the one lap. That's what you want overall performance. But the bottom one is more consistent. It's more stable. And that will give the drivers more confident. So it's not to suggest that the the bottom image will be the one, the new floor that they'll use will be the one that they'll run all the time. They've got but options. I, they've got options. And I imagine yeah. that it might be more consistent, as I mentioned, give the drivers more confidence. And it'll probably be the option they may prefer to go with. But time will tell. But it looks impressive. 
from McLaren. They look like they've done a lot of good work in that area. Encouraging. And hopefully they'll get... I mean, Andrew Settle has said he's very happy with the programme they ran. They've been a bit under the radar, but McLaren look pretty quick. And I'm expecting them to challenge with Racing Point for this season in the midfield battle. So that brings us on to Renault. Uh, Renault had the seventh most laps. It was uh, 743 in total. Um, Daniel Ricciardo set the third fastest time. Daniel Ricciardo. 116.2 as well. Astaben Ocon was sixth fastest at 116.4. The Renault pace on the surface of it, or face value, would look pretty quick. However, I'm a bit concerned about Renault. I really do worry. I did talk about them last week saying they look like they might have potential to do well coming off the back of a difficult 2019 where the car didn't really work. No. But I will say that it seems more likely to start with that they're going to be battling with Alpha Turi for sixth than the likes of Racing Point and McLaren. I think at the moment those guys seem to have done a better job on their cars and for a team that has the power and the budget of someone like Renault, a works team in some regard, it's a bit disappointing because these guys should probably be challenging with the big three, but they're well, just not. They're... And particularly two drivers they've got as well, that'd be quite underwhelming, won't it? Yeah, and it's it, they've got two very good young drivers for different reasons, obviously want to be performing really, really well. And I don't know about this car. One thing that strikes me, that gives me more worry about the Renault, is the fact that Throughout last season, they got rid of a few key personnel that obviously was part of the failed project in 2019. But given how far in advance you have to develop these cars, these guys would have been involved with signing off the parts that were on the design concepts that were applied to the 2020 car. Very good point. So it almost gives you that dilemma of how do we expect this car to perform well when it was created and designed by people that we felt were not good enough for us and ended up binning them off? So that's something we're going to have to watch out for. It's not to say that Renault car is not good, but I just feel like it's going to... Struggle in comparison. Yeah, at the moment, I've not seen anything from them that suggests to me that Racing Point and McLaren are going to have them for company immediately, but they'll be in the fight, but I just feel those two are in a better position at this point. Yeah. And I think that that brings us nicely to Alpha Turi, mm-hmm. my uh, my little B team, my my uh, yeah, you're you're a bit obsessed with that bloody car. It's just such a gorgeous livery, mate. Like I just Do you know what I, I wish I, I, I wish you know we had a camera and you could see the faces that Adam Paul's. Oh, I really don't think that's a good idea. No, <laughs> it's, it's it's making me feel a little bit uncomfortable to be honest. Uh, <laughs> 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 Don't look at me the way you look at that car, mate, because no would be the answer. Let's <laughs> think of that song from Ali G. Oh, I know, and, yeah, I'm, no, and I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not word for word, unfortunately, <laughs> but I'm not going to do it. Sing it. <laughs> Let me. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought you were going to there. So, Alfaturi, they uh, did 769 laps, uh, sixth most of all. Um, Danny Kvyat and Pierre Gasly were in the midfield 11th and 14th respectively only one and a half temps separating them so late 116.9 for Danny Kvyat and 117.0 for Pierre Gasly they look strong they look good Uh, I think this midfield battle is going to be fairly tight though between those four teams even though I do feel that Racing Point and McLaren are going to be leading it but the battle with Renault I think AlphaTauri they're definitely clear of the three behind them and they look good so there's not really too much to say on that, really. I mean, there's a lot of similarities to the RB15. Franz Tost, 
uh, as sung its praises. It looks a good car. Um, the team have done a good job with it. Everybody looks reliable and quick to some degree in this mm. test, and that must be said. I think considering we've had two days left less of running than we did in the past, the team's done a really good job overall. And uh, Alpha Turi, they look quick. They look quick. So I won't say too much on them. Uh, there wasn't really anything in particular that I noticed on their car too it's just, much. It's just, it's just the paint job you like. Oh, I love that paint job. It's gorgeous. I mean, it was kind of going to go one way or the other, but they, I think they did the right thing. Yeah, I'll, yeah, it could have, it could have been ugly. So bringing us on to Alfa Romeo, uh, they did 735 laps, which was the ninth most. Um, the fastest lap, strangely, was done by Robert Kubica. Um, and he did this on the final day, and obviously, you know, he did a lot of quick running on their qualifying simulations yeah. as well. Did a 116.9, which was 12th fastest. Kimi Raikkonen, 117.0. And Antonio Giovinazzi, unfortunately, was last of the pack with a 119.6. Now, on the surface, as 2.6 seconds off his teammate. And it doesn't look good. But there was a lot of difficulties with his running, and it wasn't really centric towards performance. So we will give him the benefit of the doubt. We know he's not two and a half seconds off his teammate. God, so. no, I think he's in the wrong spot if he's two and a half seconds <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, not quite uh, using the uh, throttle as much as perhaps the others are. But... <laughs> he's pressing the brake pedal when he's pressing the Left the parking brake on, yeah. <laughs> Wait, how do you work this thing? <laughs> um, there's new updates on this uh, Alfa Romeo. I did notice as well. Uh, new flaps as well on the front. There's a lot of new flaps. I'm not saying that because it's a funny word. They're actually, that's what they're called, uh, ladies and gentlemen. That's what they're called. So uh, a new main plane well on the front. Uh, new airflow diverters as well on the S-duct of the chassis. Looks very, very nice as well. Um, they're also trialling a mini shark fin that we saw in 2019. Is so, it a baby shark fin? I'm not singing that song, and I'm certainly not getting on the floor and doing sit-ups to that. I well, just want to get in your head. I, think like, we'll, I hope I hope it's in the head of anybody that's listening. Oh. Baby shark. Baby shark. You see, like, You're I've, going to hell, mate. I've started a trend hell. now. <laughs> Damn you. Have you ever tried that sit-ups challenge to that song? Sit-ups? Me? You haven't laughed, mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay moving on um, but yeah so I think the question remains on this little shark fin is um, will they revert to the type on that or use the 2020 revision um, it's usually to sort of stabilise the airflow to the rear wing the fact that they're bringing it out when they had the 2020 concept available it shows that they're not overly confident with that and it might be affecting rear stability so the car looks good and in general I mean they all look good to some degree um, I think Williams are coming for them one thing I will point out and I did notice this, and I was looking at the front where the air box is, the S duct. Now, I'm going to put this to you guys, listeners as well, to try and chirp on this. So do feel free to weigh in. So we talked about the Red Bull one. Looks like we said a beaver's mouth originally. Now it looks like Patrick Smart from SpongeBob smiling when he sees SpongeBob. But we're also, I think, anyone remember the Mario games on the old N64? There was the uh, character, the gas mask, not the shy guy, the other one. I think they called him a Snuffit. I'm just showing oh, Courtney a picture. Oh, of I was quite the Mario fan, Adam, and I didn't know that. So. Yeah, it looks a bit like that. It's or, very, it's very, very specific. No, very call specific. it the or failing that uh, Darth Vader, as well. Darth Vader go a bit more mainstream. Yeah, exactly. I think everyone knows Darth <laughs> Vader. It's just hopefully, if it starts making sounds like Vader when he's breathing, I'll be a bit worried about that engine. Then, yeah, the, no, the FIA need to look into that. <laughs> as long as it's no, been, been powered by the dark force. As long as they're not burning any lubricants. Yeah, it was Frank. I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> such nerds. Oh no, it's great, isn't it? Brilliant. <laughs> I think that's what they're tuning for. They love it. 
But yeah, so it's good there. So that moves us on to Williams. 737 laps from Williams. Uh, a good a good effort, I think, overall. They were eighth most laps. A good effort considering the struggles they had in the first test last season. And they were quick as well. Uh, George Russell was 10th fastest overall. 1 minute 16.8. Nicholas Satifi, 1 minute 17.3, um, was 17th. Both show good pace despite the issues. Reliability seems to be the problem for Williams. Yep. Similar issues like the Mercedes power units they had. Hopefully they can get that sorted. But they look good in parts. Definitely competitive. They're definitely not going to be stragglers this season. I think that's safe to say that they're going to be in the running. They're going to be in the fight this year, which is what we want to see. Please, because George Russell, I mentioned it in the last episode, George Russell is so much better than... I mean, yeah, what, the, the uh, Aquafresh car, yeah, as we're fresh. calling it this season. It looks it looks good. Maybe it, looks it was bit... the refresh that Williams needed. Maybe. Oh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Oh, that's cringe though, but I like it nonetheless. <laughs> I felt it when I said it. I know, it was like, right. I felt it, I felt it inside, it didn't feel right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they brought some updates to this test. They had a revised uh, front wing, they modified it. So, as you can see on the image, the third and fourth flaps um, coming down. That's a lot of flaps. There's a lot of flaps. They're split into two parts, and this is similar to what Mercedes are doing on their car, so should improve airflow in that area. They got also got a new engine cover, a uh, new engine cover, I should say. Very cover, cover, cover. There you go. A new engine cover, very similar to 2019 McLaren and Alfa Romeo. So got the mini shark mm. fin as well on the back of that, pointed out by the lines on there. So there's obviously some of the teams in the first test were running the full shark fin there, and they obviously don't feel quite confident that it's really working for them in terms of the uh, channeling the airflow to the rear. So obviously feel they can get more out of a mini one or trial in that, see what works. It'll be interesting to see what they use in Melbourne. But overall, I think Williams, they should be very happy with what they've done the test. It's a team that's come a long way. They've had their struggles. Hopefully for them, um, they'll be able to continue to be competitive and climb up the order. For the sake of the sport as well, because, you know, younger listeners won't realise how, you know, if, then, if, if they're not aware of the, you know, history of Williams they were they were winning championships on a regular basis in the 80s and 90s weren't they yeah very prominent at the front of Formula 1 and it's good to see that they're making progress um, hopefully they can carry that momentum on it depends on how much they decide to develop this car remember the 2021 regulations this is going to hamper a lot of teams it's a case of who blinks first almost but after the work that Williams have done they're not going to want to be in a position where they will put they'll end up struggling and starting a new set of regulations on the back foot hopefully that doesn't come to it but we'll be monitoring their progress closely so well done to Williams and the people that work there great facilities great staff great drivers and hopefully they'll have a good year this year so that brings us to our final team and we do bear this has run on quite a bit so I'm going to try and be quick on this one if there's one team in testing that really needed a good second week it was Haas unfortunately that didn't really pan out they did the fewest laps of everybody, 649, which was the least of anyone. Kevin Magnussen did only 250. Now, before that would have been good, but only wow. Robert Kubica did fewer, and he only ran for about two mornings. Wow. Lap times in that sort of ballpark, 117.0 for Roman Grosjean, 13th. Kevin Magnussen, 117.4, was 18th fastest. The car... Huss have struggled in recent years and I think it's a team that three years ago they were looking the fourth best team the best of the rest outside the front three 
Slowly but surely, as time's gone on, they've fallen further down the pack. They tend to start the season strong, and then they tend to sort of wither away as the season yeah. goes on and fade from that battle. I'm worried that their starting position is not going to be good. And because of that, this could have a big impact on their future moving forward. Now, Gene Haas has put a lot of money, um, who also runs the Haas franchise in uh, American racing sports, like NASCAR in particular. And he's been on record in saying that there are considerations towards whether or not they feel that Haas is going to continue in Formula 1 post-2020. They don't have an agreement yet to stay on. So a lot of people's futures are at risk. As much as we enjoy the ha- seeing the Haas team, and in particular Gunther Steiner, as his antics on the new Drive to Survive series on Netflix. Um, so if you haven't seen that, do check that out, because it is quite good to watch. They're on form. Gunther is on form. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. I you haven't watch watched it. it? I definitely recommend it. I've, I think I'm halfway through the series so far. I'm probably going to binge watch the rest of it for the rest of the week. Um, but no, it's good. It's good. Um, but Haas... They had some reliability issues in the first test. The accident with Magnussen, Grosjean's crash as well. The car just doesn't seem to be there at the moment. The drivers don't seem to have a lot of confidence. It's a team at the moment that sort of scratching their heads and wondering what they've got to do to keep up. Not only just keep up with the pack, but to try and find gains. Because no one's standing still. Don't have much faith in the driver lineup either in comparison. I think they have, I think they have the weakest driver lineup. Yeah, I think Grosjean and Magnussen at times have shown good pace. But equally, they've been so inconsistent and yeah. caused frustrations to their own team where they've not only crashed or had problems, but they've also collided with each other. And I think a telling point in the series, a Drive to Survive, is that there was always that theme that the drivers were kind of there for themselves and not really thinking of the team. And in Formula 1, that's a very dangerous attitude to have. I mean, it's not like football where or other individual sports where you can kind of go do your own thing, be successful, and the team will succeed if you succeed. In Formula 1, there is an element to that, but is it, well, there's risk. with so much involvement, the yeah. one driver on their own can't win a race with a rubbish car, and a rubbish driver can't win a race with a very good car. It's a team effort. And I'll be honest with you, as much as I have the utmost respect for these guys, I think this is the team where I feel the connectivity and the uh, harmony... And the relationship between the drivers and the team is at the most, is, has the most friction. It's the most difficult. Now, I know we've already discussed them, but do you think if you have a look at McLaren, the contrast, you see how well Sainz and Norris get on. It's no coincidence that the way that team has gone forward in the past season. Yeah, and I think that kind of coincides with success of yeah. the team, where if a team's doing really well and they want to be pushing for bigger honours, then you start to see the drivers really going up against each other to try and assert dominance. I think in some cases, like McLaren, it was easier for Sainz and Norris, who were both rookies in that team. Yeah. And Sainz had just come out of a... Obviously come out of a partnership with Renault, where he lost his seat to Daniel Ricciardo, trying to find a new team to establish himself and obviously not rock the boat. Lando Norris was a product of the McLaren Young Drivers Programme, a very successful one as well. And... With his attitude and his nature, he seems like a very easy person to get mm-hmm. on with. But obviously this year I'm expecting them to be a lot more fiery and battle for dominance. Yes, yeah, it's going to be a big season for that. There was always that battle in qualifying that Lando won, even though Carlos was the highest point scorer for different reasons. But in Haas's case, there are issues with that car that the team are not having the best time getting on top. With Gunther Steiner has come out and said that I think the reliability of everyone is good. 
respectively speaking. I think if you looked at their performance compared to everyone else, over six days they're averaging over 100 laps, which isn't bad. I mean, these cars are practically bulletproof almost, and the reliability is so good that it's amazing that we look back now and think that 100 laps in testing is not sufficient. On yeah, a well, day. I remember it being a big deal. When Before, it, yeah. 100 days in testing would be considered a huge achievement as much as five years ago now. Yeah. It's almost like if you don't do a hundred laps, you're struggling. So yeah, I, I'm I'm worried for Haas, but it's early days. We don't know the true pecking order. Speaking of which, uh, as I say, thank you for bearing with us on this one. So we've got for everyone, we've got food testing. We guarantee the episodes are not going to be as long as this in the future. Another good job, well done. Yeah, <laughs> we got there in the end. Thank you for bearing with us. And if this is like the third part that you're tuning into we can make this a third part absolutely what we can do i was i was kind of thinking if the uh, listeners are probably just going to tune in and tune out and like listen you see listen to it like perhaps tomorrow or whenever i upload this and then they'll this come is your back. opportunity oh well there we go but we'll see so we're going to be moving on now to the next segment in the podcast and we're going to be discussing our predictions for the season so courtney i'm going to put the question to you first far away so i'm going to fire off some Questions and I will see. I just want your questions. Think- <laughs> <laughs> Question drink. Oh yeah, ah, it's good stuff. Okay. Not <laughs> uh, I'm gonna leave that. I'm not editing that out. Let's <laughs> let everyone sit in there waiting and thinking. Okay, get well, on with it. By, by the way, I don't actually know what you're going to ask, so you're going to catch me off guard. This is why these episodes are like an hour or so long because it's true. Like 50 minutes of it is us talking crap. We're just having normal conversations, and, and you know... This should just be a standard podcast, and then occasionally we talk about Formula One. <laughs> Why not, eh? Why not? <laughs> We're going to call this the average... No, no, it's probably been taken. Anyway, moving on. So, you've probably skipped to this part anyway, guys. I don't blame you if you have. So, calling the Farrelson question. So go away. Go, 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 go. Who do you think is going to be world champion this year? There's going to be massive bias here, but... Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton, yeah? Yes. Okay. Who do you think is going to be Constructors' champion? Mercedes. Mercedes, yeah? Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Um, surprise of the season. Good or bad? So do you want me to do good or bad or good and bad? Ooh, I'm going to throw a curveball at you and do both. All right, then. And feel free to explain your reasoning. Well, I, I think this is, you know, this could be a big season for Lando Norris. If he has, if he has the, you know, the very liability compared to last season, he could well be challenging science on a you know much more regular basis. So I expect a lot from Norris this season. In terms of bad, I'm just looking at those guys at Haas. You know, I think particularly um, Grosjean. I feel he could be the one that could struggle this season. You know, I did say surprise. <laughs> that, that seems like a lot of people are probably going to be going for that but no fair enough fair enough you asked a question well you, you asked questions and I answered alright alright okay okay. <laughs> sorry do you want me to go do you want me to go nah, Fernando nah. Alonso <laughs> even though he's not in Formula 1 anymore well, well unpopular opinion then so this is going to be a new one we'll do the unpopular opinion alright then unpopular opinion go on then oh oh it's having Sebastian Vettel is going to be the world champion. You want beef, didn't you? You <laughs> want to throw hands? You want, throw you hands. want beef? <laughs> no, okay, fair enough. Um, all right then. So, so, what do you reckon is going to be your prediction for? You know, 
I thought you'd um. never ask. <laughs> um, okay, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go on, your turn, your turn. All right, all right, okay. So, I think my world champion I'm going to throw I'm going to go a bit a different way to you on this one um, I am going to go with Max Verstappen to win the world championship I feel that you have been saying it's a bit consistent yeah I think the Red Bull looks very impressive and I've said for a while now that I feel Max is definitely ready for a title challenge it just seems that he always seems to have a car capable in his hands um, when the season's practically done so if Red Bull start the season strong and go on with the development curve that we know that only they seem to be capable of. I do genuinely believe that this could be Max's year. He could well It'll be, be the last year that he has a chance to be the youngest world champion. And Charles Leclerc as well has that opportunity too, we must add that in, um, to beat Vettel's record of being the youngest world champion. I feel this could be Max's year. I really do. He's matured beyond his years in some regards. Still has some way to go in that, but if he has the right car, definitely has a chance. So do you reckon Red Bull be Constructors' champions? No. I think that's going to be Mercedes. And I say this with the greatest respect to Alex Albon, but I feel like Red Bull has become a team that's very much backing their main man in Max. More than most teams have. I think more than you can argue Mercedes had when Bottas first signed for them in regard where people were saying that it's Hamilton's team. I genuinely feel that this is a team that is very much centred around Max and they will do everything possible, like others have done in the past. It um, works. It, it does work when you have one guy to back. I mean, Ferrari yeah. were famous under Michael Schumacher. Exactly. Did this it worked really well. They did it under Fernando Alonso as well, which worked for them. McLaren, in the old days with Hakkinen and Coulthard, yeah. even though Coulthard was very good and had that championship charge in 2003, Hakkinen was always the main man in that team. So it does work, but I feel like more so than probably almost any team on the grid, um, I just don't feel that Albon as quick as he is, is going to be as consistently in... Having said that, if he has the car underneath him, there's no reason why he can't challenge for podiums on a regular basis, considering where Ferrari might be. So I'm going to say Mercedes. I think Bottas is going to be good this year again, and he's got his, he's got to fight for his seat. He is, he's massive for And that will, and that will motivate him yeah. to... Um, <clears throat> it's going to be a different Bottas again, Bottas 3.0 if you like. But no, it should be good. So, the good and the bad, what do you think? So I think the good surprise this year is going to be, uh, well, I don't want to say racing point because we kind of know or have a good idea that they're going to be quick. So I won't go with that way. Actually, no, actually, no you know what, I will. I think good surprise is I think racing point are going to score a podium on merit. Whoa, okay. Um, I think they've got the pace uh, to really challenge for one, more than perhaps other midfield teams have done in the past. But when I say on merit, I mean that certain scenarios in the race, like a safety car or weather or crashes and that, don't necessarily happen and we have a bland, boring race. And I feel racing point, perhaps Sergio Perez, who's been a podium scorer before for for Senior, it was at the time, um, I think he will get a podium this season. Wow. I don't want to go as far as a race win, but I think a podium will do It'd have to be chance. early. I think it'd have to be early. Yeah, I think the earlier the better, the, yeah. the better chance for them. Maybe Melbourne. Maybe I'll say, actually, yeah, why not? Surprise. Maybe in Bahrain, it'd be the only one that shows up. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll be driving around with a big face mask going for his helmet. There you go. On his face. <laughs> so who um, do you reckon is going to be your, your bad prediction? I think Ferrari are going to be the bad surprise. I'm a Ferrari fan. I genuinely believe that that Ferrari, 
I feel that they've got more pace in them. You've got sandbags going on in your head, mate. I think that those sandbags, they left them in Marileno and they were hoping they had anvils to tie to that car. I just, I just, from what I've seen from Ferrari, I know your cautious optimism because you, you believe... I can't buy it. I don't buy it. We could be wrong. I mean, Barcelona does tend to highlight the flaws of a car more than other you tracks. You know something. You've, you've, been, you've been doing all your figures and stuff and you've... You've got something hidden. You're trying to troll it's me. It's all in the past. So my you can friend. you can come back to me in a few weeks' time and go. Oh, I wasn't to know. Oh, I might just delete <laughs> this part of the episode, so we'll never know. <laughs> Into the twilight zone. That's very that that would be very that would be massive if you're right. That'd be massive. I do think Ferrari's going to be a disappointment, and I feel that this season they are going. And I hope I'm wrong, but I feel like it's going to be after a couple of races, maybe get as far as. The Spanish Grand Prix after the usually the teams roll out their big updates in Spain. And I think Ferrari may have a review of their performance relative to the rest of the field or their competitors like Mercedes and Red Bull and possibly others behind them. Unlikely, but you never know. Um, And they may decide they're going to either there are all their resources into 2021. I know Ferrari have put loads and loads and loads of resources more money than anyone else to try and finally win another world championship their first since 2007 first constructors since 2008 13 years it's a long time in Formula 1 it's almost unheard of I've got that maths right (laughs) very good very good yeah but I just think that this may this is a likely scenario in that they will go towards developing the 2021 package like Mercedes did. Um, And that worked so well for them. They've won every championship in this hybrid era. So perhaps Ferrari have that in mind. I think they'd be naive not to. Um, And I don't think it'd be bad. It's just the media backlash if they do go that route. Are are they bold enough? Is Matteo Bonotto brave enough and secure enough in his job to take that risk? I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, What was the other one? Unpopular opinion? I think it was. Yes, unpopular. Unpopular opinion. Uh, you really got to push the boat on this one, trying to be on the risk of controversial, more for clout than anything else. There, we got that once in today. So, so, so this is for the YouTube. Yeah, this is for the views, ladies and gentlemen. Who are we? We have an amateur boxing fight as well. Probably won't draw much of a crowd. We'll do it in your call. Oh, that's not even probably. Millwall Park. Yeah, Millwall Park. <laughs> is that you want, champ? Give the Wollstone Raiders see if he'd have a go. I wouldn't you fight him. Know. I wouldn't fight him. No. No, I reckon he'd bite my ankles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I love that guy. He's great. Um, unpopular opinion. I think. Unpopular opinion. Oh, this is hard. I'm trying to think of a really controversial one. I think. Unpopular opinion this season. Jesus is going to win. No, 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 no. I mean. I've seen stranger things in Formula 1 so unpopular opinion I think if he doesn't perform well I think Valtteri Bottas is going to be replaced next season possibly Um, I I do feel that the regulation changes may prompt if he doesn't perform well because there have been times last season where he's been good but then equally there have been times where he's been quite underwhelming and I think because it doesn't cause too much friction and Mercedes have been very successful despite that in Lewis Hamilton and winning Constructors titles, um, they may decide that they may try to seek an opportunity to sign a driver for the long term, perhaps like a George Russell. George Russell would or, make sense. Or maybe an Ocon or even a Daniel Ricciardo. Those options are available. Yeah. Ricciardo is keeping his eye... Is keeping his, ear to the ground he has mentioned that he's willing to talk to other teams 
And I don't think Renault are going to be able to keep him from going somewhere like Mercedes if they come calling. Not. No chance. So yeah, I'm going to say yeah, Bottas I think uh, could be replaced next season. Time will tell. Time will tell. So coming to the last part of this, so not the subject that we really felt that we would be talking about, but given the impact that it's had on the world and uh, the current state from the well, World we Health Organization. We put out a little poll, didn't we? On, um... We did. We did ask you guys if we if you felt it was good you want us to talk about this and you voted unanimously that you do so uh, you're also... it was it was mainly sex bots that voted though oh really well, we managed to yeah. afford those it was it was it was a very open poll oh brilliant <laughs> you are but... you are like level next level wrong and you really are like that's just <laughs> ay, ay, ay. well so uh yeah <laughs> getting back to that so for those of you well, I say for those of you unaware, everyone's probably aware of this at the moment. So the sudden outbreak and spread of the coronavirus has caused quite a lot of talk in the news. And if you remember from our first episode, we mentioned that the Chinese Grand Prix was postponed as a result of the widespread of the virus in China and that they couldn't guarantee... Um, the prevention of this being spread out to people that travelled to the race and obviously people involved, personnel involved in Formula One. Now, this imp- the viruses continue to spread and in certain multiple areas, most notably Japan and Italy, northern Italy as well, yeah. quite a lot of cases there. And because of that, there's been concerns over some of the teams and being able to travel to certain places. Now, the reason why this is significant the first part of the season is in the Oceania Asia area, so places like Australia, Bahrain, um, and Vietnam. Those would be the first three races that's in right. that order. Obviously, China would have been included, but that's now oh, been yeah, postponed. That's the was, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. China was in that cohort. So the concern is coming up to Australia: is will we be having a Grand Prix in Australia? Will we be having a Grand Prix in Bahrain and in Vietnam? There have been talks where there is the possibility where this the season could be postponed to as late as April and start the season in Zandvoort in Holland with the first European race. And there's been a lot of concern. Uh, I remember watching and testing, they interviewed Chase Carey at Liberty Media, yeah. and he said it's an evolving situation. Things are changing all the time. Or we have it's, to be... it's changing on almost a daily basis. It's it? almost hourly. Like Literally, yeah. you get the uh, information is updated on government websites, I think in the UK, uh, every day at 2pm to get the latest information. Whoa. It's as often as that every day where these teams are updating the latest information and health and safety to pick the public on this. And in Formula 1, this is also apparent. In other sports, in football, for example, we've had games being played behind closed doors, games being postponed. Um, as a result of this and it's going to have a big impact particularly in the summer at the moment the current situation from what we've been hearing in Australia is that the race is going ahead as planned yeah um, has been given the go ahead now the big controversy and the big concern with that is there was meant to be a MotoGP race in Qatar uh, taking place very soon and unfortunately for t- well I should start again sorry Qatar had imposed a immediate quarantine for people travelling into the country for two weeks um, to protect the virus from spreading in their country. Now, for those of you that have flown to places like Australia, for example... I do that on a regular, mate. <laughs> you do that. You've got it on a loyalty card. You get yeah, your exactly, yeah. Um, people have been travelling 
uh, to Australia transit and stopping off at places like Qatar and Singapore and Abu Dhabi as well. And because of this, uh, it means that a lot of the F1 teams, well, almost all of them, are going to have this issue where if they're from certain areas like Italy and Japan, for example, and I use those two in particular for a reason, and I'll get to that in a minute, yeah. I know you're does. almost put into a period where you have to be quarantined. And if you're quarantined for two weeks from this point, you're not going to make the Grand Prix because that's in less than two weeks' time. Yeah. Now, in the MotoGP... There were reassurances from officials that there were going to be measures put in place where they do health checks on the spot so people wouldn't be quarantined and personnel would not be prevented from getting there from those areas. Unfortunately, that has not happened and that's not been followed through, meaning that they've had to cancel and postpone that race in Qatar. Now, this has obviously created concern for teams like Ferrari, for example, who have had issues with some of the staff uh, and some people where they've had to restrict the number of people that have been able to go to their base in Maranello and who that can travel because of this. Um, it, it spread quite widely in northern Italy as well, amongst other areas, and Japan as well, where they've had issues. And that's going to affect people like Honda oh, yeah. and people like at Red Bull that work there. Uh, and it's also going to affect teams like Alfa Turi, uh, Alfa Romeo and Haas, who have representatives from that Ferrari uh, technical group that are based in Italy. Nothing's going well for Ferrari yet, is no, it? No, the season hasn't even started and all of a sudden it's just bad, bad news. It's almost like... It's like being a West Ham fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm an Arsenal fan, so things aren't exactly great for us either. That's true. Go on, look, 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 it ain't really going well for you, is it, at the moment, mate? But, um, so, yeah, it's a huge impact at the moment. But the, the statement from Ferrari that we saw today, though, is just, and they said it like this, it was on a Sky Sports Italia. And they said, despite knowing that the situation is constantly evolving, on the front of the departure for Australia and Bahrain, there are currently no contraindications, and bear in mind this is translated, so forgive me if I've mispronounced it, from any of the entities. Therefore, at the moment, our departure is, cons- is confirmed. In Bahrain, an update from ministries there, they have activated a number of public health measures, and it is in the context of these initiatives that the Bahrain International Circuit is confident its preparations will result in a successful and safe Grand Prix later this month. Now, I suppose the significance of that is Bahrain's international circuit, unlike Australia, is not exactly one where it's full to the rafters with crowds. Very true. There's been a lot of controversy in the past over protests and people in that region feeling they're priced out, and it's more of a track that's suited to appease tourists that go there. It's a good track to go to, from what I've heard. Uh, and from what I've seen in the past, it looks like a good track to go to. But it's definitely not one that's appeasing the locals. And it's always, like, it's like if it was in Brazil, for example, that would, that would be different a big story, issue. Different story. Yeah. So in a way, being able to mitigate the spread of the virus and protect the health and safety of the personnel from the teams going there, as paramount as that is, it's much easier to achieve than somewhere like Australia or even somewhere like Vietnam, perhaps, as well. And, and that's under threat. Chase Carey has said that he's confident the race will go ahead in Vietnam as well, despite the concerns following the postponement in the race, uh, and preparations are going according to plan. So, but this situation is changing it, every day, like and it's something all the that, time. All the time, it's changing. It's changing. Like there, there'll be times where I think, okay, there aren't that many cases. It'll be under control, and then all of a sudden, it'll just come up. Hey, there's another twenty cases. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So, so despite us giving you this information on Monday evening, I mean, by the time this episode comes out, in possibly a couple of days, everything well, I hope we, we try to get it out tomorrow morning. We'll see. <laughs> but even by then, you never know. Everything we've just said might not be um, may not be true anymore because that is the rate in which things are developing. Yeah, absolutely. It's a developing situation, and. 
I expect this is going to affect a lot of sports, not just Formula One. But obviously, it's going to happen in football, isn't it? As well, it's already happening in certain areas. Yeah. And I mean, I'm in, in the UK. I mean, I saw an article the other day where, um, or I think it was Autosport actually, and they talked about the hypothetical possibility of forgetting the 2020 season. Don't, don't. Um, it's in favour of letting the teams develop the 2021 cards so we can have a great 2021 season. But this didn't factor in a situation like this with the coronavirus. We sit in here drink, drinking a couple of bottles. I think it's also, um, I don't know if it was picked up on the mic, but... An ambulance going Yeah, no, I apologise well. for the background noise. <laughs> it's very here. fitting. Yeah, we're right next to a main road where we're filming it. Uh, we're recording this, sorry. It's a growing concern. Yeah. And right now, the only thing I suppose that we can do is just keep an eye on the news, keep an eye on the updates, follow the advice from the World Health Organisation and your respective health centres. And uh, Can I use this as an opportunity to give some advice on the matter? Yeah, by all means. It's an open... Well, say open mic. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so... First piece of advice would be to uh, wash your hands all the time on a regular basis. When in that, wash your hands. Yeah, I think that's that's sensible piece of advice. And I feel like if you can, be mindful of surfaces that you touch, because the the what we've seen the bacteria and the virus can survive potentially for a couple of hours. And obviously, the last thing you want to be doing is touching surfaces and then touching your face or your mouth or your nose and all that all that stuff. But yeah. Second, I'll say second of all, be mindful to those around you, particularly weak or elderly friends and family. Yeah. That's another thing because of, you know, the rate in which this could spread. You need to be very careful. So, yeah, no, I think that's a good point. We have to be mindful of others in this situation um, and we do owe it, owe it to ourselves and owe it to those around us to be mindful, to make sure that we, you know, maintain good hygiene and also, if you do feel sick and you do feel under the weather... Don't go to work. Yeah, ju- no, seriously. We, I mean, we do joke about a lot on this podcast and it's something where we like yeah. to have a laugh and a bit of fun. But in yeah. this case, we do want to be a bit serious for a moment. Uh, we, it is important. If you do feel under the, work, under the weather or unwell and you're considering whether or not you should go to work, it's best to not go to work. Yeah, if you're in exactly. the UK, don't go to work. Call your boss, say, look, I'm feeling under the weather, I'm feeling poorly. I think it's sensible for me to self-quarantine myself for a little bit. And call 111 on the NHS hotline. Don't call 999. Don't go to your GP. Don't go to yeah, a and don't, don't, And don't we stress this because you're going to potentially infect other people. If you Not just saying if you're positive, but you, know, you don't want to spread this. Call 111 and follow their instructions. They're great people at the NHS and they'll be able to provide you with the best possible care. I can't believe it. We've gone from Formula One to becoming a. Uh... We promote some great causes. We really do. Why don't we joke and take the mick and all that yeah. other stuff? And that's kind of our thing. And I'd like to think that you guys get that vibe with us as well, even though we've been going on for an hour and a half now. And I apologise. This is going to be the last of the long episodes. Testing's done. We've got a season, hopefully, to look forward to. Touch wood. I think this is probably a good opportunity now to uh, uh, sign this off, really. I think. Yeah. And uh, so now two weeks to the start of the season, hopefully touch wood that, that we do have a race going ahead as normal, that the plan seems to be that's where we're going with this, which is great. Um, hopefully things, the situation will improve. And um, I don't know about you, mate, but I am absolutely excited to see what the season has got in store for us. There's a lot of unknowns. 
Yeah, we need to see what the pecking order is going to be. Yeah. At this point, we really don't know. Obviously, we have a rough idea where everyone's going to be. So sum it up. So we've been speaking for over an hour, and we still haven't come to a conclusion. No, I don't think anybody has. <laughs> no, this no. testing, this testing period, pre-season, it's been the toughest to predict. I think in recent years. I know most of us went completely the wrong direction last year, thinking Ferrari were going to walk it, and they didn't. Uh, they looked like they were walking, but they they didn't dominate at all. And this season's been so difficult to predict. Expect and it's excited, yes. But I wasn't expecting anything at all. Uh, I messed up that line. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I'm sorry, Jim Carrey. I messed up. Clearly, this is why I'm not an actor. Anyway, I think we will end this episode there. Do join us for next week, where we will be previewing the Australian Grand Prix as a few of. And adding a few of our other antics as well. Sure we Do will. remember to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. The handle is at DNF1 underscore podcast. Got it right again. For both Twitter and Instagram. Insta- we also have a YouTube channel as well where you can watch this podcast on DNF1 podcast. I'm looking forward to your added feature on the YouTube channel now, Adam. What's that? The photos. Oh, the photos. Oh, well, they're going to be up there. We're going to the next level, Well. Adam certainly We're taking baby steps in this. We're exactly. Us. Um, actually, I will plug one more thing actually on this. So, for those of you who don't know, I also do a little bit of commentating on an online esports league. Um, it's based on PlayStation 4, so you Xbox users, you're going to have to... You can watch it on YouTube, so we're not exclusive. So no, you guys no, can we, we, we don't discriminate on this channel. <laughs> Definitely not, even though you chose the wrong console. No, but by the by, um, next-gen consoles coming out later this year. Well, that's the plan. We don't know what's going to happen. Or I'll get the PS5 if it has Crash Bandicoot on it. <laughs> well, they'd probably be able to... Uh, yeah, play like a real-life crash. <laughs> like you on the Formula 1 games, isn't it? Yeah! Hey, uh, yeah, so talking about those leagues. So it's, it's called Vision Racing League, uh, otherwise known as VRL. You can check them out on Twitter as VRL underscore PS4. Um, you can also check them out on Instagram as Vision Racing League. It's an online league placed, uh, played on F1 2019. And it's some really great race. And I commentate on their Division 2 league. And I've also done a bit of work on their Division 1 league as well. So do give them a follow. Check them out. Do it. Great content. Um, I tasked you guys to check them out and watch the race. We've got a race coming up this weekend. Two races, actually. Uh, the Belgian Grand Prix. Oh, good track. So it's going to be good tracks. Round 5 of VRL yep. F2 and round uh, I'm going to say 8 yes round 8 of VRL F1 as well some really great racing and on that note I think it's time for us to say goodbye once and for all thank you very much for sticking with us stay safe stay safe stay healthy and we will see you on the next DNF1 podcast see you soon see you later Network.